Welcome back to Money Minutes for Doctors. Once again, I am your host, Christina McAteer, and on behalf of Brown Emergency Medicine Residency and the Brown Blog, I welcome you to Money Minutes for Doctors. Our featured guest is Catherine Vesnes. Welcome, Catherine. Happy to be back. Well, we're happy to have you here today, and I see the topic is retirement planning something that I hope every physician is thinking about and for better or for worse probably needs to be thinking about very early on in life. So very excited to hear what your thoughts are so we can be sure to get this right. Oh, excellent. And I think it's so important because as I was prepping mentally for our conversation today, I started thinking about how many older doctors, by that I mean, you know, late 50s, late 60s, maybe early 70s, who've come to me how many of them have enough money to retire? And I would guess maybe only 20%. And the shocking thing is almost 100% of them thought they were fine for retirement. So I know that this, a lot of people think, well, this is just going to be a conversation for older doctors, but no, no, no. The younger you are, the easier this is going to be. So I hope all of our young listeners will stay tuned in. Well, that is a very shocking statistic, and it's one that I'm guessing you really don't want to learn about when you're 60 years old. No, because there's so little time we have to be able to get things together, and it makes some very, very hard choices at that stage, which can be things like working longer, and a lot of our doctors are like, no, I definitely want out at a certain age, uh, or living on less money, and who wants to take a pay cut in retirement? That sounds horrible to me. Absolutely. I always chuckle when I hear the phrase, the golden years, because there's many things about it that perhaps are not so golden. Exactly. And one of the things that's always puzzled me about retirement is we know the cost of goods and services today, but how in the world do you plan for what the prices are going to be 20, 30, 50 years from now? Help us understand what your thoughts are with planning for retirement. Well, that is one of the many, many things we have to look at, which you've talked about is inflation. So if today you're retiring and let's say you needed $150,000 to buy the lifestyle that you that you wanted to, to live, but you know, 20 or 30 years from now, you might need 300000 just to cover the same lifestyle. Now that's not, you know, lifestyle the rich are famous. It's not doing cruises. It's just doing what you used to be able to buy for 150000 So as you, you're well aware, we have some very sophisticated planning tools that we can put these kind of inflation rates in to our planning so that we know by the time you pull the trigger, you leave that job for the last time, you're going to need X amount of dollars. That's going to have to be in your nest egg because we estimate that's what you're going to need to get you through, um, through retirement. It could be 30, 40 years, to your point, during rising costs. Well, a very scary prospect for sure. And I just can't imagine the dollar amount that one must need to have saved. Yes. So it's very interesting. It's true the last year or so. Inflation's only been like, I think, about 1.7% over the last 12 months. But historically, it's been much, much higher. So during different time periods, you can get much different rates. So if we go from 1926 to, to, to 2020, Oh, that's 94 years. It's actually averaged about 2.86%. But if we just look at 1970 to 1920, which is the past 50 years, it's actually averaged a percent higher at 3.8%. 
So we usually use a 3.74% in our plans. Um, I feel that gives us a little bit of leeway to be able to do that. But I think one of the things we'll be doing in our plans going forward is also playing some what-if calculations. What if inflation goes through the roof again, like it did during the 70s? And it's maybe four or four and a half percent. How much, how long will your money last in that situation? So that's some of the things that if you're um, doing your own projections, you really need to take inflation into consideration. Well, I love that thought and it makes me chuckle because perhaps that's one more reason why we want to choose an old financial investor who has that experience of historical inflation. <laughs> you're so cute. I, I didn't get this white hair for nothing. That's right. <laughs> you earned it for us all. I earned every follicle. Yeah, that's for sure. So when we look at these inflation impacts on living expenses, though, if if we're just looking at, um, let's go back and use that 2.86% rate of return. And you started out that you wanted to live on 150,000. After 30 years, you'd actually need almost 350,000 a year to buy the same thing 150 bought 30 years ago. And heaven forbid we have inflation at 3.8%, then you're going to need about 470,000 to pay what you could have at 150,000 30 years ago. So even small changes in the inflation rate can have a gigantic impact on how much money you need to save. Wow, that's really hard to just wrap your head around, especially when you have no control over what the inflation rate is going to be. Can you help us understand what are the key determinants of the inflation rate? Yeah, about 50% of it is housing. So that is one reason that I generally like our doctors whenever possible to have their houses paid off in retirement. Yeah, they still have some retirement housing costs and that you're going to have to pay for repairs and you're going to have to pay for taxes, but that helps keep their personal inflation rate down. And other aspects of it include things like uh, food and transportation. There's a couple of other things in there, but like I said, most of it is housing. It's very interesting, especially now when, for reasons that I'm sure I don't quite fully understand, our real estate market is absolutely exploding in the time of COVID. We've seen prices just spiral to levels that are really beating historical highs. And many houses are going up to bid and and being sold for over asking price. Kind of crazy to witness, I have to say. You're probably seeing a lot of people moving from New York to Rhode Island. And I figure that's where some of those buyers are coming from. (laughs) Yes, we're certainly seeing what our locals call the establishment of the mini mansions, if you will, as Many properties along the waterfront, some of our scenic historical towns are being purchased and and transitioned into really quite elaborate, lavish homes for folks coming from the city. It's it's something to behold for sure. Right. I just had a a client sell their place in New York and move there. So I understand. All right. Well, the inflation piece was important. And thank you for those added details. We appreciate that. Is it true that an exact dollar amount is is quite helpful? Or once again, is it really looking at lifestyle choices and other goals that you have in retirement? Well, I would say yes, and or all of the above. Some clients need to have that goal in mind. You know, I need to have X by a certain date. And I will say that I know this may come as a shock to many of our listeners. For our doctors who have a, a lower lifestyle, but that I'm talking about maybe living on a hundred. 50,000 a year, 100,000, somewhere in that range. 
It's not unusual in today's dollars that they need $4 million just dedicated to retirement, just dedicated. That doesn't include kids' college, doesn't include uh, lots of new cars. It's just de dedicated to retirement. And of course, by the time they actually get there, it won't be $4 million that they need. It might be 7 or 8 or 10 because once again, with inflation, that number keeps going up. Well, that sounds like a pretty tall task to ask of you. <laughs> Talk to us about what is your thought process in, in preparing for that retirement scenario? Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about this because some of the studies from, oh gosh, maybe 15, 20 years ago now, uh, were pretty much you retired and then you died within like 18 months to three years. It was, it was really, it was shocking. And after I saw those, I thought, I am never going to retire. I want to make sure I have such a happy, joyful life with what I'm doing that there's no need to retire, right? So I think that people think in terms of retirement because they're either very unhappy with their work or physically they're not able to do it anymore. So I know this is a little far afield of our conversation today, but one of the things I try to do with our clients is how do we bring more joy into your life? How, how do we help you live this life of not just emotional abundance and financial abundance, but abundance in every aspect of your life? Because when you're that happy and you're doing work that you really enjoy, then you can actually work a really, really long time because it's not draining to you. Yeah, I love that thought. And always when you hear those stories of a physician who dedicates his whole life to his career and spends countless hours at the hospital and is known for being the first one there for morning rounds and the last one out the door at night, and then to see them retire and then pass away shortly thereafter really is heartbreaking. I, I certainly hope that their career brought them unique fulfillment, joy, and happiness, but I agree there's so many aspects of life, and you probably do need to plan for all of that. Well, and I used to think of it as heartbreaking too, but now I have a different viewpoint on this. You know, like, and I've told you, and I've told probably our listeners, I could have retired in 07, but it's like, this is just way too much fun. And I began to think so much, why am I having so much more fun than my clients are having? And part of it is I only take clients that I adore and love that are like family to me. And I only hire team members that are like part of the family too. So this is not the same environment where you're in, where you have to take that patient. You know, they could be abusive. They could be horrible, whatever. You have to take that patient. And I think that's just one area where if you can't control certain things in your life, then you may not like your work. Work becomes draining and you want to retire sooner because you think that what's happening afterwards is going to be much better. And that could be all that could be true. But I'm saying I'd much rather we worked with doctors to help set up a lifestyle now that they really, really loved. So to your point with a doctor that worked you know, long hours, I'm hoping he or she really loved that and that they took really long, wonderful vacations that they also enjoyed. And they got to spend time with their kids that they also enjoyed. And when I look at it that way, then their whole life is full of abundance and joy. Absolutely. Well, I do love that balanced approach because I can't imagine feeling that your work is just a an overwhelming task that takes so much out of you and then carrying that for decades and decades and then retiring and being able to completely turn the switch and now live a life of joy and abundance. It seems like it really needs to be a mindset and a life goal from day one. Exactly. And if I have a doctor who's saying things to me like, I want to retire yesterday and they're 35, 
then I'm thinking, okay, let's kind of rethink this. You know, what is your specialty? What is it that you don't like about it? Is it a different employer? Is it, you know, is it another way of practicing medicine? What can we do to bring you that now? So you can take lovely vacations, spend time with family, whatever it is, it's really important to you. Well, I love that philosophy. But to bring it back to the specifics, Catherine, one of the things I always struggle with is the amount of money you'll need for just basic living expenses in retirement. And I hear you that oftentimes physicians or folks in general probably don't want to take a pay cut in retirement. They want to be able to continue living at the lifestyle that they're accustomed to. How often is that possible? And and if folks do have to take a pay cut, is that something that really can easily be accomplished with a few minor changes or or what potential does that have to feel like for our doctors? Well, that's a lot of questions in one. So let me see where I can dive in. And so let me start with a rough, rough statistic, because most of our clients have no idea what they're going to need for living expenses in retirement. You know, particularly if they're young and they've got young kids, they can't even picture what life is like, you know, 30 years in the future. So we use a national statistic that says that in retirement, your living expenses, your after-tax living expenses are roughly 50% of your gross income pre-retirement. So if you're making $300,000 a year, then when we're doing our calculations, we'd be using $150,000 after-tax as our starting point for doing that going forward. Now, let me pause there and see if that answered that part of the question. That certainly makes sense. And I guess I was speaking to more, is that an adjustment that doctors or people in general can tolerate? Or do they really feel like their quality of life needs to change in terms of their uh, lifestyle expenses when they retire? I would say it depends. So if we have doctors that I think of as the frugal doctors, they're always living under beneath their means. They're always setting some money aside. They have no problem with this. It fits in well. In fact, if anything, I frequently can give them a, quote, raise in retirement, meaning they've got the money they can spend, which is always fun, right? Because take more trips, do other fun things that you want to do. Um, the hard situation is that doctor who's had enough. They just cannot stand this one more minute. They have to retire at X, let's just say at 62 or whatever. And their lifestyle, they have been living either up to their means or a little bit beyond their means. And the, the problem with that is they haven't saved enough for retirement. And unfortunately, what they're doing is if they're maintaining the same lifestyle, they can do that for a few years, but then they run the very real risk of running out of money in retirement, right? Who wants to run out of money? Well, I have a dear friend that says you can borrow for your education, you can borrow for your kids' education, but you cannot borrow for your retirement. So plan well. Exactly, because doctors have to retire and stay retired. And by, what I mean by that is, yeah, if I had retired in 07 and I was running out of money, you know, 10 or 15 years later, Ah, big deal. I hang out my shingle. I practice law. I, you know, I could open up another financial practice. I've got options there. Um, but that's not true with doctors. You know, if I think about emergency med in particular, if you took a 10 year sit out and you decide you want to go back in, even assuming your licenses were up to date, you're going to have a hard time finding a job. Most places wouldn't hire you. That's a very good point. And certainly lots of instability in the job market at this time, which makes it even more uncertain than it perhaps normally would. Yikes. 
Yeah, exactly. So the conversations I have with those doctors that are looking at running out of money are obviously very difficult because I don't ever want to be shaking my finger going, naughty, naughty, you know, you need to save more. On the other hand, I want to make sure that they're not jumping off a cliff. So what we do, we use our software that runs a whole bunch of behind the scenes, randomized return calculations. In the industry, it's called a Monte Carlo calculation. And what it's really saying is what is the likelihood that given these parameters, this doctor is going to run out of money in retirement. Now, personally, I want to make sure our clients have like a 98, 99, 100% quote success factor, meaning in that situation, there was only 2% of the time that they would run out of money. 2% is pretty easy for us to deal with because we're going to be watching this every year. And if it looks like we're getting closer and closer to running out of money, we can cut back spending. There's other things we can do to be able to do that. But if it's looking like they're only going to be uh, successful 50% of the time and 50% they're going to run out, then we have to make some very, very hard choices. Wow. Yeah. 50% really just does not sound like the odds that you want heading into retirement. No, definitely not. I mean, can you imagine half the time running out of money before you run out of life? And it's the most expensive part of life when you need extra health care, probably, or physical therapy or other things, maybe your, all your insurance doesn't cover. So yeah, it's a devastating thing to have happen. I don't want that to happen to any of my clients. So the hard choices become can we save more now, uh, between now and whenever our drop-dead aid is from when we want to quit work? That would be one choice. Another choice is how realistic is it to reduce our lifestyle in retirement? And I typically do this on paper with clients and see, you know, are they willing to reduce certain expenses? Um, or a third one is, can we do some part-time work? Because very often I find um, the, the doctor's current specialty is driving them crazy because of the long hours, but they really like anesthesia or radiology or whatever it is. Um, but if they're only doing it like maybe half time, it would be, they'd find joy in their life again. It's just, they don't want to do it to the level they've been doing it. So those are some of the ways we can help clients get through the pinch. And I've heard many, many stories of physicians that can cut back to some percentage of full-time, whether it be 80% or 75% or 50% and, and so on. And <laughs> as the saying goes, it can't hurt as much, meaning that even if you are still working the same job, if it's only for a few hours and certainly a smaller percentage of your overall time, if it is still continuing to be onerous or uncomfortable or challenging and for whatever reason, you can get over it because you're going to have so much of your own personal time and freedom on the other side. Oh, well, well, well stated. And sometimes what we're doing with more and more clients, I can see this being more of a trend going forward is whatever their current thing they're doing is, is just, um, it's incredibly draining for them and they need a side gig that they can eventually transfer into. So they may be for a while, they're doing regular job and then side gig and the side gig gets bigger and bigger. Pretty soon they can let the regular job go. And I'm thinking about um, a wonderful doctor who's just a very dear friend that I interviewed recently um, and did a video on. So if any of our listeners today would like access to that video, they just need to send me an email at info at mdfinancialadvisors.com. And she is just an absolutely delightful uh, pediatric radiologist. And 
she decided that she she wasn't sure that she as much as she liked this that she could continue doing it at the hours and so forth that she was and so she went back to school and became a sex therapist and has started uh, this whole business that she's doing online uh that's some of it is online education with midlife women uh with sex therapy for them and what she said was she gets such joy. She's so revitalized by this second career that it actually makes her primary care career of radiology so much more fun that she actually likes that much better. So that's something I'd like our clients to, and our listeners today to be thinking about. Can we do that side gig that's going to bring you joy and revitalize your existing career? Well, that sounds like a true win-win if I've ever heard of one. So congratulations to her. I'm glad that she was able to find that true passion and a way to make it economically viable. Yeah, it's been pretty pretty amazing. I, I was skeptical at first, but she's proven me wrong. It's been pretty cool. Great. So I'm seeing here that one of the next topics you bring up is life expectancy. Can you help us understand a little bit about how you make those determinations and, and how accurate some of the modeling is to even help us understand what our own life expectancy may be? Right. So um, there are actually some interesting online charts uh, that I'd have to look up now that you brought it up that I think would be fun for our listeners. They can kind of plug in their their sex, their age, and their relative health, and they can get kind of a, a prediction uh, statistically about how long their life expectancy is to be. So things have changed in this country dramatically in the last hundred years because when they put Social Security into effect, I think the lifespan at the time was like 62. And that's one of the reasons they had people getting Social Security at 65 because they figured most of the population was going to be dead, you know, so it wasn't going to be hard to, to finance Social Security. Well, fast forward to today, and if we've got a married couple and neither of them smoke, there's a 30% chance one of them is going to live to 100 years old. And that is pretty scary. So one of the questions I'm starting to ask more and more is, do you have longevity in your family? How old are your parents? Um, I w- we do all of our plans automatically to 95 unless we find that there's so they have longevity, and then we push it out to 100. I have one client that I think she even wanted at 105. That is pretty amazing. And interestingly enough, it's something that I reflect on a fair amount, particularly in the emergency room where I see people make choices earlier in life or suffer an injury or an accident and see the trajectory it has on their whole lifespan. And I think to myself that the ask simply has changed. As you point out, in the past, people were living to 60, 65 So it was a very different game than if you're now asking the human body and by default your finances to carry you through to 95 or beyond. It's a much different game. If we've got a doctor, and this is not unusual, Christy, for them to not finish residency or fellowship till they're 35, right? And then if they wanted to retire, make work optional at 65, that's 30 years that they have to save. And think about that. That's 30 years to save for maybe 30 years because I'm planning on them from 65 to 95 living off of this money. So it's a big, big ask to your rhetoric on 30 saving for 30 years. During the same time, you're paying off student debts. You've got your own kids. You want to try to get them a head start into college. And some of our clients have even got parents that they're helping out. They are really squeezed. So it makes it very difficult for them to save enough during that time period to last during all of retirement. 
Yeah, that's was my thought exactly when you were sharing that story that you're trying to save, but at the same time, you're in just a very expensive phase of life. So I can only imagine how challenging that would be. It's really, really tough. It's why we have to prioritize. And I'm a big believer in giving every dollar a job, meaning let's go through those expenses that you've got. Let's look at the fixed ones. Let's look at the variable ones, which ones are really doing what you want. Because I'm afraid some doctors just get into spending money because they feel like they have it, as opposed to prioritizing and saying, no, it's really important for me to put my kids through college. Then that has to come as a priority over taking this expensive vacation to Italy. And that's one of the things I love about you, Catherine, is definitely aligning your financial habits with your personal goals so that you can really achieve the things that are so important to you. Thank you. Thank, oh, that's sweet. Thank you. Yeah, because I think it's really easy just to get caught up in, oh, there's money in the checkbook. Let's go Let's go out to eat every single night this week. You know, well, maybe that's your number one goal, but maybe it's not. So I just don't want you to get to the end and we haven't prioritize because you're going to feel so much better about yourself if you funded those things that really line up with your true north, what's important to you, what you value in life. And then you're going to feel like a great success. Wonderful. So it sounds like really one of the take-homes here is not only to make sure that you have your priorities straight and you're saving and working toward achieving those goals, but also that you have a financial advisor who is taking into account your particular health situation and potentially some genetic traits so that the life expectancy piece is definitely part of the overall retirement planning picture. I would say yes. And then with that, I want to tell our listeners something my mentor taught me my first day. And that is the farther out you go, the softer the numbers get. And after five years, they are very, very soft. So for this reason, really, I have clients that we look at their retirement plan, those projections and shortfalls and so forth at every single meeting. But for sure, I want to do it at least once a year because things change. You know, your situation changes, tax laws changes, things change. The market's up, the market's down. We have to take all of that into consideration. Perfect. And I see next up, you have some slides or some topics that you want to talk about specific to tax rates with historical tax rates, and of course, your famous tax triangle that I've known to <laughs> love over these years. Help us understand how that plays into retirement planning, Catherine. Okay, so historical tax rates. Um, I know this is going to be a shock to most of our listeners, but believe it or not, we are actually in a time of some of the lowest tax rates we've ever had. And I have a nifty tool that is really fun for me to use with uh, clients. I can actually put their current um, income in and kind of go back in time and they could see how adjusted for inflation, where their income would have been in the tax tables and where were they near the top or, or not. And it's shocking how many of our clients were near the top tax marginal rates in the past. In fact, the worst is right after World War II, where the top rate was way over 90%. Now that does not mean every dollar that you earned, you're going to be paying and be in taxes. Because remember, we've got the step up thing where the first few dollars you earn, you don't pay any tax at all, and then it's graduated. So I think we have to take taxes into consideration. And this is another thing that we're starting to do with our plans is we can run what if calculations, what if tax rates are up 15% more than they are today, or you have to pay 20% more. How much, how long does your money last in that circumstance? 
Well, I'm glad to hear that there is a stepped tax rate because I can only imagine if you're paying 90% of every dollar in taxes, it would be infinitely hard to ever get ahead. Oh, yes, obviously impossible. I don't know what their average tax rate is, meaning if you averaged all of their taxes together, it's going to be much less. The other thing that people don't realize is during that time period, uh, there were some amazing tax shelters. We've talked a little bit about this in the past where you could invest, let's say, $10,000 in an investment, and it allows you to write off or subtract 100000 from your tax bill. Now, those are pretty much all illegal now, but that's what people were doing back in the day. Doctors used that back then to reduce their tax bills. The best tax reduction strategies today are to maximize your retirement plans at work. And depending on how you do that, you can either get a deduction and not pay tax today, which will reduce, as I said, taxes for this year. Or for a lot of our clients, they have Roth 401ks or Roth 403bs at work. They can pay the tax now and then never have to pay the tax again. So those are some of the best options when it comes to reducing taxes, both today and in the future. Yes, we love those options. So keep giving it to us, Catherine. Remind us what's out there. Which, to to your favorite, the tax control triangle, which is where we are next. Yes, I love this balanced approach. Please enlighten us. If you haven't been listening to our previous uh, podcast, there's three ways your money or your investments can be taxed. And uh, we, we call this the tax control triangle. At the top of it, we have brokerage accounts um, this could be brokerage accounts. It could be savings accounts. It's, with the exception of real estate, it's generally liquid accounts. It could be invested. It could be in bank accounts. And the nice thing about this bucket is that the money is liquid. You can get it whenever you want. But you'll see that each of these buckets has got a downside. And the downside to this one is the capital gains tax on the profits. Now, on the, the left part of our triangle, we've got the tax deferred bucket. This is going to be your 401ks, 403bs, IRAs. There's a whole bunch of others, 457s. Uh, The good thing about them is you don't pay tax on them this year. The bad thing, though, is in retirement, you've got to pay who knows what tax rate on a much higher amount. And then everybody's favorite bucket is the tax-free, where you can prepay your taxes by paying them up front. But we've got very few choices and very few ways to get money into that bucket. So that could be a Roth IRA, it could be a Roth 401k, a Roth 403b, an HSA, 529 plans, municipal bonds, and investment grade life insurance. That's pretty much it. Everything else is illegal. Excellent. And do you often recommend some portion of those investment types for your clients in that you really want to have them to have assets in each of the buckets, right? You do want assets in each of the buckets because it lets us do something that I call tax arbitrage. So if you're over 72 and you're required to take money out of your retirement accounts, uh, that can be a very, very painful experience. But maybe you want to look at what are the tax rates at the time. So if taxes are very high when you're in retirement, you're going to want to pull more money out of your tax-free bucket, right? Because you have to pay tax on that. You're going to have years where you have sanity in Congress. Maybe not many, but there's going to be some of them. And when we have sanity in Congress, I believe we get a little lower tax rates. And in years of lower tax rates in retirement are the years you'll want to pull money out of your 401ks and 403bs because you obviously pay less in taxes. It's good for you overall. 
On the other hand, years that we have insanity in Congress and they've got high taxes, you'll want to pull it out of your tax-free bucket. And I have seen cases where I've run numbers for doctors just kind of playing around with how much money do we put into the tax-free versus the, pre, the pre-tax. It can literally save millions of dollars in taxes and retirement if you do it right. Or if you do it wrong, it can cost you millions. Excellent. Well, it sounds like you definitely need to be on top of it and understand what the political climate is because that, as well as economic factors like inflation that we previously spoke of, have a huge impact on what your savings is and what your quality of life can be to date. Absolutely. But honestly, I don't look at it every day myself, and I only look at my own investments a couple times a year because it just drives you crazy. And really, the day-to-day impact is completely meaningless when you think about it. So we just want to take the long view. Excellent. So we're winding down here, Miss Catherine. In conclusion, would you like to offer us your take-home points of, of retirement planning and topics that we've covered today? Right. Well, I think the key thing for our listeners is you can only control what you can control. So that's right. Control what you can and kind of let the rest go. So some things you can control today are how much are you saving, how much are you investing versus how much are you spending? And how is your portfolio allocated? How much is in stocks? How much in bonds? How much overseas? We can control that. What we can't control is what's happening in the market. We can't control tax policy, inflation, any of these things. We have to let that go. I'm all in favor of, of taking that into consideration and planning around it, you know, good outcomes versus bad. But really, we have no control over that. And we do have some control over our employment earnings, how long we're going to work, and of course, our longevity. So I want everybody to be as healthy as possible and as happy. You're going to live a lot longer if you're happy. And uh, employment earnings, uh, this is going to be a fun topic as we go along because we want to take a look at, are you maximizing your earnings for today? And could you do part-time work or side gigs for a while? Because that could have a nice impact on your retirement plan. Wonderful. Well, so many things to think about. And As we pointed out earlier in the podcast, it's never too early to start (laughs) reviewing this information and and making some life decisions. It is a huge undertaking to think about, you know, 30 years or so beyond your working age. So be thorough, plan well, take Catherine's advice and get to work now. How does that sound? Um, I would just modify that slightly i do agree that it's never too early to start saving that's absolutely true but i also want you to think about what it is about your life that you could change and make considerably happier because you'll be able to not only live longer you'll just you'll be healthier and you'll just have live this life of joy and abundance so that's what i'm, I'm hoping people get out of today wonderful well certainly would wish that for everyone the good quality of life is really second to none. You have to enjoy the journey. Exactly. Well, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, Catherine, thank you for your time and your advice. We deeply appreciate it. We look forward to catching up with you next month in the next edition of Money Minutes for Doctors. But for now, we'll wish you the best. Take care. <laughs>